Well, good morning, Life Church. We're so happy that you could join us this morning as we continue to gather in this way during what are certainly strange and unusual times. But again, we're just so grateful for your continued faithfulness, for your faithfulness to gather and to join us as we open up the scriptures and uh, spend time getting to know Jesus even better. Amen. Well, I want to open up in our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you do have a Bible with you at home, I would encourage you to open up to that passage of scripture, but we'll also put it here in the video stream for you as well. And before we read our scripture, I would like to open in prayer. So if you'd bow your heads with me, wherever you are at home or anywhere else. Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us, for your great love for us. And Father, today as we open up the scriptures and just seek to become more like you, to um, fashion ourselves after your image. Lord, that you would allow us to receive the word today with humility and to become doers of the word, not merely hearers, thereby deceiving ourselves as James encourages us. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And wherever you are, if you join me in saying amen and amen. Again, so happy I could be with you today. You know, it's, it's fascinating as a Christian. I've been a Christian for most of my life. And uh, one of the things that I enjoy thinking about, that I enjoy discussing uh, with other people is the attributes of God. And what is God like? Because right, I, I've given my life to pursuing God, to getting to know him, to being in a relationship with him. And I want to know what he's like. You know, I, I want to get to know him better. Just as when I was dating my wife, I wanted to get to know her better. And as we've been married now for 15 years, every year I've gotten to know her better. And it's a constant pursuit and constant journey. And with Jesus and with God, I want to get to know him better as well. So I enjoy talking about what he's like. I enjoy sharing what I've learned about him with other people. My wife and I had the privilege of talking with somebody recently who is not a Christian, but who was going through a really painful time in her life with her family. And there was a window of opportunity in conversation where she expressed an understanding of who God is that I knew was inaccurate. And so I took that moment to correct that and to just say, God's not like that, that this is what God is like because I know him and I've studied the Bible, I've studied the scriptures, and this is what he's like. And it was very, very encouraging to her because she was beginning from a place of saying that God is not compassionate towards my situation. And I said, no, 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 that's, that's not God, that's somebody else. God is compassionate, God is love, and he loves you and he cares about you and your family. And so I enjoy talking about what God is like with people. And one of the traditional and orthodox attributes of God that have been passed down to us is that God is all-knowing. And there's a fancy word for that, and it's called omniscience. Omniscience. And it means that God is all-knowing. There's a famous pastor and author named A.W. Tozer who wrote about God's omniscience. And I want to share just a, a brief snippet of something he wrote about God's omniscience. Tozer writes this about God. God perfectly knows himself. And being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet unborn. 
I mean, we could have a full discussion just about that today. People have written books on that. They've done sermon series and standalone sermons on God's omniscience. But think about that just for a moment, that God knows everything. We are intimately acquainted every day with our lack of knowledge. We're introduced and reintroduced on a regular basis with the fact that we don't know everything. Take the current coronavirus pandemic as an example. Not only do we as individuals not know everything about it, but the world is still searching for answers. The world is still without full knowledge regarding this particular pandemic and how we should navigate it. And so you think about that, that billions of people, their aggregate knowledge on this one topic is still insufficient. And we serve a God who knows everything. He knows it all. And not just about our current world and our current circumstances, but about everything in the past and about everything that is to come. God is omniscient. And one of the things that I'm fascinated by as I think about God's omniscience is the fact that when the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Bible to pen the words that we have inherited through the Holy Scriptures, when the Holy Spirit did that, he was drawing from God's omniscience. You see, whenever a human writes something today, we write from the vantage point of our experience in our corner of time with our knowledge base. But God inspired men to write the scriptures, to write what we have received in the Bible with the perspective of knowing all of time, all at once. And so when we read something in the scripture that is offering guidance to us, that is offering a framework for thinking to us, that is passing something on to us, it is not in the narrow context of what was happening in that moment. Yes, there are certain admonishments and certain pieces of guidance in Scripture that through context in the Scriptures we can tell it was meant for a certain application. But much in the Bible was passed on with the intent to be relevant and essential for all of humanity for all of time. And that today is what I'm interested in talking about. And so when God encourages us in the scripture, he sees everything that will come afterwards. And so I want to read for us a passage in 1 Peter today from chapter 2, but I want you to be reminded as we read of God's omniscience. I want you to remember that when God inspired someone to write this, that he inspired them to write it already seeing 2020 already seeing the coronavirus pandemic, already seeing the rocky season of your marriage, already seeing the layoff from your job, already seeing the heated political climate that we find ourselves in today, already seeing all of that, already seeing a shaky and uncertain school year for our children, already seeing all of those things. And yet he wrote what he wrote. First Peter chapter two in verse one, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and put away all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk 
that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I want us to skip down to chapter, excuse me, to verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The Gentiles, to us, the application here is someone who doesn't share our faith. Keep your conduct among those who don't share your faith honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I want to skip down and read the final verse of the chapter. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I want to speak today from the topic, new times require old truths. New times require old truths. So many people in our world today, so many Christians, they buy into the lie that when there is a strange and new and foreign circumstance they are presented with, that the answer is to try some new principle out in their lives, to behave differently during those times. And yet, we're encouraged in the scriptures to apply old truths to new times, to apply old truths. It says here a couple of the verses that I skipped in 1 Peter, speaking about Jesus in verse 22. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So it wasn't just during times of peace that Jesus didn't have an attitude, but even when he was reviled, he did not. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I'm fascinated by this concept that God saw what we were going to go through so many years ago. He saw not just your circumstances, but those of the world, and yet he wrote what he wrote. You know, I've got three children. I have a fourth on the way. In about eight weeks or so, we're expecting uh, a baby boy in our household. We're very, very excited about that. Uh, something we've been looking forward to during the pandemic, certainly. Uh, you know, we got bored during the pandemic, so we just decided, hey, let's have another kid. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what we do in our house. So we're, we're really looking forward to uh, meeting our son, meeting our baby boy. And, you know, I remember when my current youngest son, soon to be second youngest, Levi, was just a little kid. Um, he, he loves cheese. 
You gotta know that about Levi. He loves cheese. He loved cheese and he loves cheese. And I think he will in the future continue to love cheese. He just, he loves any and all cheese. And you know, some kids are like, hey, I like, you know, American cheese, like the fake stuff, you know, but Levi is like, no, I want Swiss. I want extra sharp cheddar. You know, I want these strong, smelly cheeses. Even I'll eat whatever, I'll eat brie. I'll eat all of these different cheeses out there. If it's cheese, he wants it. And this has been true about him for a long time. And you know, I, when I was, when he was about three years old, we had this conversation because he was snacking a little bit too much. And you know, he would see his older siblings going into the fridge and they grab a snack. And so he got this idea that, hey, I'm, you know, I might be three years old, but like, I've got this right too. This is my house too. And so I'm gonna go into the fridge and I'm gonna get a snack when I want. And his snack of choice was always cheese. He, string cheese, whatever it was, he just wanted cheese. And so this one day I sat him down and I said, hey buddy, I said, I want you, instead of just going and grabbing a snack, I want you to ask before you get a snack. And specifically, I want you to ask before you have any cheese. And you know, he said, okay, I, I think I understand that, dad. And so I, you know, my parenting style is, I don't tell my kids what not to do and then make it impossible for them to do that because I don't believe that that really develops their character. Instead, I tell them what, I don't want them to do, but I leave the door open, not in matters of physical safety or something like that, but I leave the door open for them to do what I didn't want them to do because I want to learn, you know, what is the character of my child? How, how does this child need to be parented? And so I said, I want you to ask me about the cheese. And instead of putting the cheese out of reach, I put the cheese in the fridge exactly where I knew he could reach it, like front and center. So when he would open the fridge, he would be greeted with this glorious, glowing block of extra sharp cheddar cheese. And that's what I did. And so I said, all right, buddy, I'm gonna go upstairs. I got some stuff to do, but you know, just make sure, don't, ask, don't, don't go for a snack unless you ask dad. Okay, okay, dad, I got it. So a few minutes later, I come back downstairs and I gotta go grab a drink of water or something like that. And he's nowhere to be found. I can't find this kid anywhere. I don't know where he is. I, you know, and, and if you know, if, if you have boys, uh, if you're a parent of boys, you know that when you hear nothing, that's when it's usually most dangerous of all. That's when something's gone wrong. <laughs> you, you always want to hear something. And so, you know, I was looking for my son and so I'm looking around the corner and then I hear this, this rustling sound quietly off in the corner of the dining room. And so I come around the corner and I, I can kind of see him crouching behind the corner. And uh, I'm gonna share a photo with you here on the video feed to show you what I found in that moment. And I found my son with this block of cheese and that block of cheese had an entire mouth-sized bite taken out of that block of cheese. Like, like he must have opened up, like unhinged his jaw like an anaconda and just you know reached back, shoved in the block of cheese and took the biggest bite that he could possibly chew on and swallow. And you know, he's like, oh, dad caught me. And you know, I bring up that story to, to make the point that I knew what he was gonna do because I knew the character of my son at that stage of his life. And yet the night before and the moment before and the hour before, I'm sure I know that I told him that I loved him, that I was affectionate with him, that I parented him with something good in his life that day. Hopefully I was patient or something, but I know that my affection for him hadn't changed. And I make that point to say, I knew what was coming down the road. I could see what was coming and that it was different from what I wanted for my son. And yet, 
Like I gave him the instruction that I gave him and yet I still loved him as well. And so although the parallel is not perfect, I make that point to say today that God sees us and yet God's affection for us, God's direction for us, God's desire for us hasn't changed. And when he gave it to us, he gave it to us already knowing everything we would ever do in our lives. That's his omniscience at work. And so I say all that to say, we should pay extra special care and attention to what the Bible says because we serve somebody, church, who already saw everything we would ever go through in our lives and yet gave us the guidance that he gave us. I want to revisit our passage of scripture here. You know, this is a convicting chapter in the Bible. I could look at small snippets of this and be incredibly convicted. Can we start, just for starters, can, can we start with honor everyone? Verse 17, two words, honor everyone. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Have you dishonored anybody recently in your family, in your workplace, in your school environment, on social media, in your neighborhood? And I say all this not to put blame on anybody, not to make anyone feel terrible about themselves, but to make a point that if you're anything like me, because I know I've dishonored people this week in my life, if you're anything like me, we often buy into the temptation that new times, new circumstances, strange occurrences require some new approach to deal with them. That it's okay if, if we honor people when times are peaceful, but as soon as somebody crosses me or as soon as somebody hurts me or as soon as somebody wants to divorce me or as soon as someone wants to fire me or as soon as someone wants to give me a new president in my country or as soon as somebody wants to put some other thing in the school system to deal with this coronavirus pandemic that I don't like for my child, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as, we start to buy into the lie that a different approach is required. And I'm here to tell you that when we camp on God's omniscience and we understand and embrace that about him, we can rest assured that when he said honor everyone, he wasn't just talking to Peter during the times when the Roman Empire was at its peak, that he wasn't just talking to the disciples in the early church, but he was talking to us knowing that we would experience this pandemic in 2020, knowing that we would have Donald Trump as our current president, knowing that we'd be faced with an election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and other third party candidates, knowing that we'd be faced with an upset and upheaved school year, knowing all of that. And yet he said, honor everyone, honor everyone. Not because he's gonna slap us on the wrist if we don't, but because he designed life to be lived this way. And that if we want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we want the fruit of serving God in our lives, we want to reap what we sow, we need to align ourselves with the encouragement from Scripture, with the old things, not look for some new thing to deal with new times. And so today I want to ask you, wherever you're at, if you're watching this alone, I wanna ask you to write something down, to have a conversation with yourself, to have a monologue 
maybe in a journal, if you're with somebody else, a friend or a family member, after you watch this, I want you to have a discussion, to have a conversation, and I want you to confess, to practice confession, and to say, you know what? This is an area of my life. We've read Second or First Peter chapter two. Read it again together, and ask yourself, where is my life not aligning with this? Where have I allowed just the absolute chaos that is 2020 in our world? Where have I allowed that? to draw out of me a new approach to things where I'm following after my flesh rather than following after the way of Jesus. You know, I'm convinced, I buy into Ecclesiastes chapter three, where the writer says, there is nothing new under the sun. It's so easy when we live on this earth for 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 years if we're lucky. It's so easy to buy into the lie and think, what I'm experiencing is new. What I'm experiencing is novel. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. It's not. It just feels that way because it's new to you. But it is not new to the state of humanity. It is not new to the world. And it certainly is not new to our God. And so when he instructs us in the way of Jesus, it applies not just during old times, but also during new times. I want to leave us with a benediction today. May we be a people who believe that new times require old truths. May we be bold enough to believe that when we apply the virtues and the guidance passed down to us in the inheritance of the scriptures to new and strange and unusual circumstances, to the circumstances of 2020, that when we do that, we will see the blessing of God in the land of the living. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better.